You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the conservative crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Very glad to be with you all today here on the Red Future Radio Network here on the conservative crusader broadcast. Wherever you get your podcast after the fact. Links to hear it live is on my website, gopjosh.com. Scroll down to the Conservative Crusader section. Starting today's podcast off with a clip that you've all heard before, but I want to play it again. All right. This is the most based candidate for Congress in the 2022 election cycle and possibly the most based future congressman that this country has ever seen. And I'm leaving this for GOP Josh, one of the most based young Republicans that I've ever met. Have a good day, dude. Kick on that podcast. So if you have questions for the person in that video, J.R. Majewski, he's a candidate running against Marcy Kapor for Congress in Ohio's 9th Congressional District, the Northwest section with Sandusky encapsulating Cedar Point as well as the rest of the northeastern part of the state, then you can email me, josh at gopjosh.com, or call 57-GOP-JOSH-7, leave a voicemail. J.R. Majewski will answer your questions, as well as mine, on July 16th. So let's hop right into Uvalde now, because I teased it yesterday, but we ran out of time. The officers in Uvalde were equipped with guns, shields, and tools. But not clear orders, according to the Texas Tribune. We'll get to that right after I tell you about the Supreme Court opinion. For those of you listening live, we bring your opinions live on Opinion Days today, and tomorrow is an Opinion Day. There will not be a broadcast tomorrow. The GOP lawmakers in North Carolina can intervene in litigation to defend a state voter ID law. The NAACP is challenging the law, and the the NC Attorney General... A Democrat is defending it. GOP legislatures can intervene if they want anyway. SCOTUS can. SCOTUS says they can. So that's the first opinion of the day. So this photo in Uvalde came out. This footage from the, the CCTV, the closed circuit television video, came out. And they are there are four or five police officers here. Two of which have shields, they have helmets, they have body gear. They have AR-15s. There's some sort of assault rifle. And they have shields in their hands. They said their defense for not going in and rushing the children and making sure the children were okay is because they weren't properly equipped and they didn't want to get get shot. Two closed doors and a wall stood between them and an 18-year-old with an AR-15 who has opened fire on children and teachers inside the connected classrooms. A Halligan bar. An axe-like forcible entry tool used by firefighters to get through locked doors was available. Ballistic shields were arriving on the scene, so it was plenty of firepower, including at least two rifles. Some officers were itching to move. One such officer, a special agent at the Texas Department of Public Safety, had arrived around 20 minutes after shooting started. He immediately asked, are there still kids in the classroom? If there is, then they they just need to go in. Another officer answered that it is unknown at the time. The agent shot back, you don't know if there are kids in there. If there's kids in there, we need to go in there. Whoever's whoever's in charge will determine that. Well, there's kids over here, he said, so I'm getting kids out. 
That exchange happened early in the excruciating 77 minutes on May 24th. That started with when Salvador uh, Ramos, who had just shot his grandmother in the face, walked through an unlocked door of Rob Elementary School, encountering no interference as he wielded an AR-15 he had bought eight days earlier. At the end of those 77 minutes, 19 students, including the daughter of one of the officers stationed in the hallway, and two teachers were dead or dying. Others sustained serious physical injuries. The emotional and uh, uh, physiological ones will last for a lifetime. It was the deadliest school shooting in Texas history. But during most of those 77 minutes, despite the urgent plea from officers and parents amassed outside, officers stayed put outside rooms 111 and 112, stationed on either end of a wide hallway with sky blue and green walls and bulletin boards displaying children's artwork. Ramos fired at least four sets of rounds, including the initial spray of fire that likely killed many of his victims instantaneously. After the special agent's comment, nearly another hour passed before a tactical team from the Border Patrol breached the classroom and killed the gunman. So there right here is a special agent, someone trained for these sort of events. A special agent at the Texas Department of Public Safety asked them, are there still kids in the classroom? They said they don't know. Your job as a police officer, as someone guarding a school shooting, is to go in there and make sure that those kids are okay. To make sure that these kids won't die. And if they are still in there, to make sure they will stay alive. And if they are in there and they're shot, make sure they are okay. If he is in a classroom with kids at any point, shot or not, police officers need to go in there and put their life on the line to protect the kids. Sorry to say it, that's part of their job. They are trained to do that. Those kids were ground zero. And the police officers that should have went in, should have stormed and made sure those kids were okay. 77 minutes. Now, I, I, I'm not a trained police officer. I'm not, I've never been in this, this sort of situation before. But I know if I've been trained to do something, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what should have happened in this situation. I'm sad it didn't happen in this situation. Uvalde, Texas is a perfect example of bad cops and the kind of cops that should not receive massive, massive amounts of funding. The majority of cops are good cops. But the ones that fail to do their job leave a bad reputation for the rest of them. We're going to move on. The latest Supreme Court opinion, the website is failing. So there are people who are uh, trying to get the opinions. There is one that uh, the Supreme Court sides with a man on Georgia's death row in a case about what procedural mechanism prisoners must use to challenge the constitutionality of a state's execution method. SCOTUS says prisoners are not limited to the federal habeas laws to bring such challenges. Uh, There could be Dobbs today. Dobbs could come tomorrow. The Dobbs decision would be what would overturn 
hopefully overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So there is a the opponent of Ron DeSantis in 2018 who is pretty much blamed for the loss of, of Democratic majorities and Democrat governorship in, in Florida. He has been indicted. Andrew Gillum, DeSantis, a 2018 opponent, accused an indictment of wire fraud and false statements. Andrew Gillum, the once rising Florida Democratic star who narrowly lost the 2018 governor's race to Ron DeSantis, was hit with a 21-count federal indictment Wednesday alleging wire fraud, related conspiracy charges, and making false statements. Gillum, the former mayor of Tallahassee, was charged along with his mentor, Sharon Letman Hicks, with fraudulently funded fundraising from various entities from 2016 to 2019, the Justice Department says in a news release. The Justice Department alleged that the two diverted some of the money to a company called Letman, uh, controlled by Letman Hicks, who fraudulently disguised the funds as payroll payments to Gillum. In a written statement, Gillum and his lawyers proclaimed his innocence. Lemon Hicks, a candidate for a state house seat, hasn't replied to texts or calls requesting comments. Gillum said, I have spent the last 20 years of my life in public service and I continue to fight for the people. Every campaign I've run has been done with integrity. Make no mistake that this case is not legal, it is political. Throughout my career, I've always stood up for the people of Florida and have spoken truth to power. There's been a target on my back ever since I was the mayor of Tallahassee. They found nothing then, and I have full confidence that my legal team will prove my innocence now. The indictment marks a new low for Gillum, a married father of three who withdrew from public life as a political figure and a paid CNN uh, commentator after a March 2020 sex scandal involving a suspected male overdose victim in a hotel in the South Beach neighborhood of Miami Beach. At the time, Gillum said he was abusing alcohol as he coped with his loss to DeSantis. Campaign finance records and a leaked criminal subpoena in 2019 shows that Gillum also faced the pressure of an FBI investigation. Two sources with whom Gillum spoke Tuesday said he began phoning friends frantically about the criminal case when he was informed that his indictment was imminent. uh, imminent. Neither would speak on the record because they weren't authorized to speak on his behalf. So I don't know a lot about this case. I'm not super involved in Florida politics um, outside of just following Ron DeSantis, following what the state legislature does, the based state legislature in Florida, following what they do. I'm pretty uninvolved with Florida out of that. I've been to Florida one time. So I'm not super involved there. But I do know that there are a lot more politicians that commit fraud, a lot more politicians that have drug problems, have alcohol problems, and then are meet the, meets the eye. I mean, Cawthorn was exiled for con- from Congress for saying similar things. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is true. I honestly hope it's not. I hope someone isn't that sad about a loss that they develop, develop an addiction. But you never know, and we'll see where that goes from there. I'll keep you updated with this story. Um, Like I said, I'm not really sure about it. I just wanted to bring it up because we are talking about DeSantis in another story today where he talks about President Trump almost negatively. Like, not quite negative, but not very positive either. I mean, if you are going to support President Trump, if you support Donald Trump, if you support America first and you support what Trump stands for. Wouldn't you want Donald Trump's endorsement for governor? Because Ron DeSantis said that he doesn't want Trump's endorsement, according to a report from the Daily Beast. As Florida's gubernatorial campaign heats up, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said he won't be asking Donald Trump to endorse him this time around, according to a report from Politico. Instead, Those close to DeSantis say the Republican doesn't want the former president's public support to win re-election, nor they claim does he need it. 
they are likely right, as polls have consistently shown DeSantis ahead of his competition on the left. That wasn't the case four years ago, however, when DeSantis was just a little-known congressman from Northeast Florida lagging in every poll. Trump's strong endorsement of DeSantis, however, flung him ahead of Republican favorite uh, Adam Putnam and just passed Democratic Andrew Gillum by 0.4% of the vote in the general election landing DeSantis in Tallahassee. DeSantis' reluctance to seek public support from Trump comes as he prepares for a likely 2024 White House bid, which could pit the two Florida men up against each other in Republican primaries. So we have this candidate, and I've jokingly said on Twitter, DeSantis 2024, anyone? And people thought I actually seriously supported DeSantis. I support Donald Trump in 2024. As I supported him in 2020 and in 2016, by the way. But we have here a governor in a decently swing state. I mean, it's a, it's a red state now, but just four years ago, he he didn't even get a percentage more than, than the fraudster Andrew Gillum, as we were just talking about before. Right? So there is this, this sort of tension between the two Florida men, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And I honestly thought when, when Trump moved to Florida with Mar-a-Lago, he was moving to be closer to DeSantis, be, be a closer ally to Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida. That's where all the big things happened because of Ron DeSantis' leadership, because of Donald Trump's leadership. Florida is where everything happens, right? Especially in conservative politics today. CPAC, all the turning point events, uh, AFPAC are all down in, in Florida every year. But he's not seeking Donald Trump's endorsement in a state that Donald Trump carried by plenty of points. Just just put it that way, plenty of points. So this creates a weird tension because I've heard that that Donald Trump I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis doesn't want to run for president against Donald Trump. But I genuinely think, if I'm being completely honest, that if Ron DeSantis was to run against Donald Trump, it would be the, it would be the end of his political career. If you are a Republican in 2024, Donald Trump is still alive and well, and he is able to run for president. And you decide as a governor, as a senator, as a congressman, as a state legislature even maybe, as a governor, that you want to run against the former president of the, pardon me, of the United States for the Republican nomination, then you, frankly, will not have a place in the Republican Party come May or or June after the primaries are over. If you challenge Donald Trump, and I'm not saying you can't challenge Donald Trump. I'm not saying Ron DeSantis will not challenge Donald Trump. But I'm not saying he can't challenge Donald Trump. I don't care if he challenges Donald Trump or not. He's not going to win. But if he does decide to challenge Donald Trump, he should be prepared to lose and be prepared to retire. Be prepared to lose and prepared to retire. Because we have an unmatched political figure. Tell me the last time someone was as large as life in politics, was as large as as Donald Trump is in, in Republican circles and Democrat circles, even they can't keep their, his name out of their mouth, as large, as successful as a president as Donald Trump. Because he's not a politician. He wasn't bound to the same political boundaries 
that every other politician in this in this country was. So if you take this as Ron DeSantis, and you're, you're sitting here, you're a congressman, you're now governor because of Donald Trump, because of Donald Trump's endorsements, without Donald Trump, we wouldn't have Ron DeSantis. And you're sitting here, you have an invite to Mar-a-Lago sitting on your uh, dining room table, and you say, you know, I'm not going to go to, to Mar-a-Lago. I don't, I don't need Trump's endorsement. I'm not going to ask him for his endorsement in this governorship, even though it wouldn't really do anything. It would just help him, not hurt him. And they state that Donald Trump won by three or four points. I'm not, I'm not going to ask for his endorsements because I'm going to run against him. If you're seriously a presidential candidate or a potential presidential candidate, a politician in 2022, and you're not getting Trump's endorsement for a race because you're going to run against him, well, frankly, folks, I'm not too sure if you're truly conservative. The, the, the Ron DeSantis 2024 people are, are the same people that are the Lincoln Project. As long as Trump's alive, as long as Trump is well, as long as Trump is able to run, he will run and he will do a better job than any politician that could be in that seat. Because Donald Trump is not a politician. He's America first. Truly to the core, America first. And I believe that he will win. And I don't think that Ron DeSantis will. I mean, I think he'll win the governor, his governorship race. I don't think Ron DeSantis needs Trump's endorsement for the governorship. But it's just dumb not asking for it anyway, to build an allyship with President Trump. Donald Trump is probably the best political ally you could have in 2022, going into the midterm primaries and the midterm elections. When we return here on the Conservative Crusader, Bill Gates tries to buy a massive amount of farmland in North Dakota. Publix will not be giving the coronavirus vaccine to Florida children under five. Biden's approval rating is stuck at 42%. There is a second pandemic and more. My name is JP Josh. We'll be right back after this here on the Conservative Crusader. Stay tuned to Red Future Radio. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Breaking now, the Supreme Court is overturning the ability, the requirement to to give your Miranda laws if you are a police officer doing an arrest. If a police officer fails to give a suspect his Miranda warnings, and the government the government uh, the government uses his suspect's unmirandaized statements against him in court. Can the suspect sue the officer for violating his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination? In a 6-3 ruling, SCOTUS says no. In a purely partisan ruling, the opinion is from Samuel Alito, and that's what's most important. Because if you remember this big draft opinion about the Supreme Court, this big draft opinion from the Supreme Court, supposedly saying we are going to overturn Roe v. Wade, 5-4 uh, decision, I'm sorry, John Roberts joining the Liberals, Samuel Alito was the author. And if you know anything about the Supreme Court, only the more senior justice from the person who issued the last opinion can issue another opinion that day. So it can either be that person or the person more senior, which would be Clarence Thomas and John Roberts, if I recall correctly, which means that this opinion could, the next opinion could be Dobbs v. Jackson dropped from Samuel Alito. 
I, I should say, welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader on the Right Future Radio Network, brought to you by my social medias, GOP Josh 20 on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Twitch, if you want to listen live. Uh, also, GOP Josh 20 on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch. Two of the three we are live on every day when we do the podcast. The, the schedule will be changing, changing, changing soon. We'll talk to you about that next week, as well as um, GOP Josh on Alt Tech, uh, Gab Getter, Parlor, Telegram, Truth Social, Facebook, as well for at GOP Josh. The Attorney General intervenes after Bill Gates buys a massive amount of farmland in North Dakota. The Office of the Attorney General of North Dakota sent a letter Tuesday asking Red River Trust, a group of ties to billionaire Bill Gates, to prove the company's use of land does not violate state corporate farming laws. The trust had acquired six parcels of land in Pamina County. I've got a big earful on this from clear across the state, and it's not even that from that neighborhood. Uh, the agricultural agricultural commissioner Doug Goring, according to uh, Valley New- News Live, those people are upset, but there are others that are uh, just livid about this. The letter stipulated that under North Dakota law, there are certain limitations on the ability of trust to own farmland or ranch land. The corporate of limiting liability company farming law has s- certain exceptions, such as permitting registered family farms or allowing the use of land for business purposes. According to the letter. Corporations that are in violation of this law will have a year to divest themselves from the land and are subject to a civil fine of $100,000. In my beautiful home state of Ohio, I read the dispatch and I read about these solar farms that are being put into farmland across the state. And and I I drove past one of the proposed... um, Actually, it's not even proposed. It's going into effect. They have buildings and solar panels there. And it's an eyesore. These are just these are just panels on the ground, and they're very reflective. If you've ever seen one of them on the back of a stop sign or something to reflect the stop sign, because people always run through that light or that, that sign, if you've ever seen that. They're very reflective on the back of those, those signs. Very reflective. And so it's going to be an, an eyesore. It's going to be a nuisance. But also the farmland. It's nothing says anti-American more than using our farmland to build solar panels, to put factories on, to to put unneeded warehouses on. When, when America was founded, if we didn't have our own farmland, if we didn't have our own ability to to harvest crop, our founders wouldn't have survived. They wouldn't have been able to live. They wouldn't have been able to eat. And I hope Bill Gates, who is pushing the Impossible Burger, the Bill Gates who is pushing this and that, I hope he knows that you need soybeans for the Impossible Burger. And if you take all the farmland and put solar panels on it, there will not be an ability to grow soybeans any longer. Solar panels aren't even the most effective. Like Trump goes on these rants at his rallies about wind uh, windmills. The solar panels are not very effective, and they have nasty runoff. They pollute the, the the grass. You'll never be able to eat off that again if they ever rip the solar panels up. It's just tearing up our our environment, even worse than than the normal coal does. Really, I mean, let's be honest. So, if if Bill Gates is buying a lot of land in your state, do the same thing the people, the great patriots in North Dakota, did. As of January 2021, Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland in the U.S., owning 242,000 acres across 18 states, according to the Daily Mail. 
the Supreme Court just now breaking now here on the Conservative Crusader. Just now, the Supreme Court decided its Second Amendment case, striking down New York's strict concealed carry law and establishing the right of law-abiding Americans to carry a loaded gun in public without showing any special need. This is the biggest Second Amendment case in recent history. We're, We're applauding again. New York had a law saying that you had to show reason to purchase or carry a firearm. You couldn't just show a fire or have a firearm because you wanted the right to have a firearm and you wanted to protect your family. That's not a good enough reason. If you just wanted to buy a firearm to have a firearm, you couldn't do that. But the last opinion of the Supreme Court today strikes down the New York law. Strikes down this New York law, restricting it. Uh, Require people to show proper cause to get a license to carry a concealed handgun outside of the home. The vote is 6-3, breaking from SCOTUS blog just now live for those of you listening live on Twitch, on Twitter. I'm applauding again. I'm so happy. I, I, I don't have words. With how much gun control we've seen, with how much restrictions on our first and our second amendment we've seen, over the past few months from from our politicians, over the past few weeks from our Republican politicians in Congress, this is a much-needed W for our right to own firearms, our rights, our Constitution. This is a much-needed W. Thank you, Supreme Court. There will not be Dobbs v. Jackson today. So we're going to move on. I don't have I, I don't have a story about gun control today, sadly unfortunate timing but we applaud that so much thank you supreme court for upholding our constitution and not legislating from the bench public's pharmacies in florida will not offer coronavirus vaccines shots to children younger than five even though u.s health authorities now approve the procedure various news outlets reported on thursday the grocery store chain said it declined offering the vaccine approved to the children ages four and under at this time, according to the Tampa Bay Times. The chain declined to say why, when asked by the outlet. The Lakeland Company's website indicates it is still accepting coronavirus vaccine appointments for children aged five and up. A public spokesperson recently confirmed the decision to Tampa television station WT, uh, WTVT later Wednesday afternoon. Pfizer and Moderna got the okay for their under-five coronavirus vaccines Friday from the Food and Drug Administration and Saturday from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention. As Breitbart News reported, children in the age group began receiving the vaccines this week. Every state in the country, with the exception of Florida, pre-ordered COVID vaccines for children under five. The Florida Department of Health declined, saying the Sunshine State does not need to be involved in the the convoluted vaccine process, especially when the federal government has a track record of developing inconsistent and unstable, unsustainable COVID-19 policy. Big dubs from the publics as well for not doing this uh, sham of a vaccine for kids. However, the department, Jeremy Redfern, made clear the doctors can order vaccines if they are in need. There are currently no orders in the department ordering system for the COVID-19 vaccine for this age group. Publix is Florida's largest private employer and a regular donator to political campaigns of both major parties. I mean, give, giving young kids this vaccine is dumb in itself. It's stupid in itself. They don't, they, they don't need this vaccine. It's pretty simple. But we're going to move on because I, I, I'm so excited right now. 
I'm probably going to go after I'm done with the show and, and make a video just about this this ruling in the Supreme Court, which is big. So we're going to rush through the rest of this show here on the Conservative Crusader. Biden's approval rating is stuck in neutral at 42%. Biden's approval rating, let's see here, Washington Times, I don't want to pay you, remains stuck at 42% and three quarters. And voters are very concerned about inflation, according to a poll Thursday that underscored Mr. Biden's political challenges. Mr. Biden's approval is level with the rating he received from the same News Nation Decision Desk HQ poll last month, signaling a lack of improvement despite efforts to stabilize the economy and manage other crises like COVID-19 and Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Nearly 58% of, of voters disapprove of his performance. Inflation stands out as a top concern for voters with more than 7 of 10 kids citing it as a list of four issues compared to 15% who cited crime, 10% who cited COVID-19, and fewer than 4% pointed to unemployment. The poll found that 60%, 76% are very concerned about inflation, and 21% are somewhat concerned, while less than 3% are not concerned. 42% is high. I mean, I saw a recent poll today that said 36% approve of Joe Biden, and I think that's high as well. I mean, uh, this is a president that gas prices are are higher than ever before in history. I mean, we we have to have the Supreme Court intervening in these gun control legislation laws like in states of New York. This is not a constitutional pro-America president. Americans are concerned that they won't be able to put food on the table. They're not concerned about saving democracy when they can't afford to put food on the table. And that's what the Democratic Party is focused on, is saving democracy and not saving your pockets. It's that simple. But we are going to move on to a clip from President Biden. I think this was yesterday um, at the White House. Let's see here. When, When was this? This was, yeah, yesterday at the White House when talking about COVID-19. This year, we, we do need more money, but we don't just need more money for vaccines for children eventually. We need more money to plan for the second pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. And that's not something the last outfit did very well. That's something we've been doing for fairly well. That's why we need the money. Thank you all. There's going to be a second pandemic. President Joe Biden warned Tuesday on that the U.S. would eventually face another pandemic and said the country must start preparing for it. We do need more money, he said at the White House press conference when asked about getting Congress to fund COVID-19 vaccines for infants and toddlers. The president said funding for the vaccine supplies would last until the end of the year. But we don't need just need more money for vaccines for children. Eventually, we need more money to plan for the second pandemic. Is it plan for the second pandemic or plan the second pandemic? What is Dr. Fraudchi Fraudchi working on? What is the Department of Health, the CDC, the World Health Organization working on? But what, what do we need to know, Biden? Be a open, transparent president. Tell us what tell us what we're what we're missing in the picture. What do we need to know moving forward? Bloomberg reported last week setting a senior official that the Biden administration would soon announce a renewed biodefense strategy to improve America's pandemic response. 
Biden proposed budget of for 2023 suggests a lot, uh, allocating about 82 billion over five years towards preparing for biological threats. One of the main goals is to create, env- create an environment in which the U.S. can make effective vaccines and treatments for a pathogen within 100 days of its recovery. The money would go towards boosting healthcare infrastructure and expanding research to identify threats. Now, while the world has often gone through long periods without a pandemic on the scale of COVID-19, researchers say the rate of new disease outbreaks among humans have been rising rapidly in the past 50 years. According to Duke Global Health Institute, a one 2021 study published in the Proceedings of the National uh, Academy of Sciences Journals, that's a long title, predicted the probability of such outbreaks would grow by three times in the next few decades. So basically, the president is saying here that we are going to have another pandemic and we need to start putting our money in for it now instead of facing the current one that's supposedly a pandemic. Yada, yada, yada. I want to know what what fortune ball the president is looking into here. The, The ball on the Oval Office Resolute Desk. That says we are going to we're going to have another pandemic guaranteed that another virus is going to come out and create a pandemic within the rest of Biden's lifetime, which he, he's almost 80 years old. People don't live forever, right? And I'm not saying I want Biden to die. I'm just saying it's it's a fact of life. So we have a president here that is more worried about a virus there in a, in a pandemic that may never come than he is making sure that Americans can afford gas prices. And he gave a speech yesterday, which I'm not airing. He gave a speech yesterday talking about gas prices at around 2 o'clock, and he said, we are going to make sure that uh, uh, Putin is held responsible for, for, for Ukraine. And, 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 and if Republicans want to want to attack me for gas prices, why do they vote for the money sent to Ukraine? If they want to attack me for gas prices, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to, to do my, my Biden setup without sounding stupid on the air. Yeah, I have, a, I have the same question. If you're a Republican, why did you vote for Ukraine? Why did you vote to send $40 million of taxpayer-funded money to Ukraine? That's what I want to know. We should say keep the money here and lower gas prices for Americans. It's that simple. That plain, that simple. When we return, one more story, one short story about Ohio State University. An interesting story. I wasn't expecting that today. Here on the Conservative Crusader, stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. The Ohio State University was awarded a trademark yesterday or this week, for something I never expected to be a non-safe word. I'm not a trademark lawyer. I don't know everything about trademarks. I don't know everything about that. But I I, I do know that, that there's a word called the. 
T-H-E. The, which is a very vague word and used very commonly. It's in the title of this show, The Conservative Crusader. But the Ohio State University, I should say the Ohio State University, was awarded a trademark on the word the by the United States Patent and Trademark Office this week. The university received the trademark for the on branded products associated with and sold through athletics and and collegiate channels. Those products include hats, baseball caps, and t-shirts. Just the word the. The has been a rallying cry in the Ohio State community for many years, and Buckeye fans who purchase official Ohio State gear support student scholarships, libraries, and other university initiatives. The university says it brings in more than $12.5 million a year from its trademark and licensing program. Ohio State filed a trademark application in 2019 for this same thing a month later after August. The application was denied. Josh Gerben, a prominent trademark lawyer, explained on Thursday why the process of getting it approved took so long. The USPTO, the U.S. Um, Patent and Trademark Office, refused Ohio State's trademark application for the word D on September 11, 2019 for two reasons. The, applica- the trademark was merely ornamental, ornamental, and the clothing company Mark Jacobs has filed for the, for the seven month early, several months earlier. According to Gerben, the university responded by, by saying it was not using the trademark in a merely ornamental uh, manner and opposing Mark Jacobs' trademark application. The attorney said the two entities were able to settle their dispute. While the terms of settlement agreement were not disclosed, USPTO records indicate that the Ohio State and Mark Jacobs agreed they could both own a registration for the word the. The school had previously secured other trademarks, including the names of football coaches Woody Hayes and Urban Meyer. So I don't really know what this trademark will do for the school and for the English language. I mean, we'll... we'll Will I be able to eventually sell, sell shirts that says the conservative crusader on them without violating uh, Ohio State's trademark, without violating Mark Jacobs' trademark? How does that work? Doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not an avid trademark study, st- study person. And if you are calling 57JOP-7, let me know what you think. Leave a voicemail. But we will see where that goes. Where this goes is off the air for the week. My name is GOP Josh. This has been The Conservative Crusader. No podcast again tomorrow, like I said. Hopefully back Monday in the morning, but we will have a wild schedule after that. I, I don't even know where it's all going to go. Big life changes coming for GOP Josh soon. Now, I, if I, if I want to keep doing this, if I want to keep doing the fun that we do here on the show, I won't be able to do it every day. But I have to be able to... To fund this one, I mean, I, I, I'm planning a, a 88 county tour like Hayden Ferguson with the the unapologetically constitutionally conservative is going to every state, every county in the state. Fun fact: podcasting does not get that much revenue enough to pay for Biden gas prices and enough to pay for Biden get, uh, car insurance prices, especially a new driver like myself. So the show will have to take the back burner. But we're not stopping the show. The show will never stop. We're going to use the money to invest in new gear, invest in new equipment, and do even more. I'm so excited here on the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. My name is GOP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader. See you Monday with a brand new episode. My name is GOP Josh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 